Welcome to Gu Dao, Jinqing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Tao Te Ching to uncover its timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's very chaotic world. I'm Ian Felton, practicing psychotherapist and coder, and I'm joined by my co-host, executive coach and consultant, David Wong. Good morning, David. Good morning, Ian. Well, I'm I'm happy to see you on we're we're on the Saturday after the election, and things are still kind of hanging out there in the air. And so I, I'm sure we'll be bringing a lot of that energy into our discussion today, which we're doing chapter sixty three. And and chapter sixty three is, um, you know, I, I really like this chapter. To me, it, it kind of has a lot of the elements of the the the, the literary style that we kind of know to identify in in Lao Tzu, and you know, a lot of these co- uh, contrasting words, da xiao, duo xiao, that kind of thing where adjectives that kind of complement one another. And, and so um, I'm going to hand off the reading of, of chapter 63. And would you like to get us started this morning? Uh, sure. Yes. Uh, I really look forward to studying this chapter after several days of uh, you know, investing my uh, psyche energy in watching and waiting for the votes. I think it's actually uh, this morning when we spend time together uh, to delve into the, you know, another space and uh, try to uh, sip some, you know, wisdom, like a sipping a cup of tea. I think I find it very refreshing. So let me, uh, you know, uh, start with the first line of this chapter. Wei wu wei, shi wu shi, wei wu wei. Act without striving. Serve without interfering. Enjoy without indulging. So this is the kind of the essence of the first uh, line. Uh, you know, when I read this line, you know, the first phrase or concept that jumps out is Wu Wei, mm. because that's the one of the key foundational ideas of Laozi and, and Dao De Jing. Uh, but the other key word, uh, which also draws my attention, is the last, uh, uh, the last sentence, uh, Wei Wu Wei. Uh, I find it very interesting because, you know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we all enjoy, you know, delicious food Mm. and uh, we want to set, you know, make ourselves happy through all kinds of senses, you know, music Mm. and, uh, you know, smell, all that, those things. What's being portrayed here is quite interesting is um, the, the, the kind of, uh, try to enjoy, uh, but enjoy in a in a in a plain and simple way. 
uh, I find it quite interesting because uh, I remember uh, I watched a, a, a TED uh, a, a TED talk, uh, and a psychologist, uh, his name is Barry Schwartz, presented a, a, a talk on the paradox of choice. Basically, the key idea there is, you know, sometimes too much of a good thing it can be detrimental to our happiness and well-being. And obviously, we're living in a world of, you know, sensory overflow, uh, mm. overload. You know, sometimes I find that, uh, you know, we become numbed or are desensitized, mm. uh, that we're really not enjoying the, or savor the real flavor of something. I mean, personally, the experience is like sometimes if you, uh, oh, there's a saying like, uh, hunger is the best spice. Sometimes you eat too much of a good thing, <laughs> and then you really, uh, you really kind of a lose touch or lose, you know, a sense of what's truly is the flavor. So I find that this line is very um, uh, helps me to to kind of think about my experiences in the real world. I think that's a, an excellent point and i think it's just another example of how Lao Tzu has this gift of using simple poetry to encapsulate thinking that you can really apply in so many ways and in so many areas of life and and at the same time, they're not moralistic. They're not this this you know thou shalt not or you know you should. There, there's not all these shoulds and imperatives. And it, he he says it from this place that just gets you to really think about the the nature the nature of things. And um, there's this common sense to it that if you really just slow down. And think about it. Oh well, yeah. If if I actually sat and savored this food, that might my mental construction of it might say, "Oh, this is plain." Like if I ate some plain rice. Well, what if you sat and ate that bite of rice as if mm. you had never eaten any other food before, and this was the only bite of food that mattered? That if you were stranded on an island and hadn't eaten for three days like you were talking about hunger being the best spice mm. what if i slowed down and enjoyed this mouthful of rice like it was this amazing beautiful gift from the earth it might taste a little different that's yeah that's that that's great i like your point i think you know think about sometimes the water itself right the water the how refreshing it can be uh, you know, to quench our thirst under certain circumstances. Um, it is true, you know, that kind of uh, experience, I feel uh, sometimes only when you start to um, choose, uh, tune out certain things and really kind of get focused on, you know, that one thing, you, you can have that more, you know, that deeper experience. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into these concepts a, a little deeper. We'll, we'll keep kind of moving through the chapter. And so line 
two, 大小多少，抱怨以德 great or small, many or few, get revenge with virtue. And what it's saying, obviously, is don't get revenge. Be virtuous, regardless of how many times you're slighted, how big the slight is. That the best way to pay that back is is virtuously. And I think in 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 here, clearly the the most important word is duh, which. Mm. Is the duh of Tao Te Ching, and and we could talk for hours about duh, and and I do want to get into it a little bit more once we're past the reading. But again, virtue as something, I it, to me it feels a lot like the virtue that's that the Stoics talked about. Mm. That kind of virtue, because I think there's a huge parallel here. If we want to go into Western philosophy, the duh of Taoism, it it feels a lot like like that. That it's about kind of being the the bigger person,、mm. not not being immature, not being self serving, not not making it all about you. Hmm. 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 That's very true. I think、uh, I agree with you、uh, that here the is a another key concept, just like a Wu Wei in Tao Te Ching. In fact, the title Tao Te Ching, there's a the in it. But that the in today's world, we usually kind of understand that the as a more of a, something moral or ethical.、Um, you know, as you said, it's it's beyond that. It's probably has a more、uh, in line with wisdom, or a、mm-hmm. uh, kind of wisdom from our common experience,、mm-hmm. right? If we can embody that, that will give us enough of a navigational tool to deal with, you know, conflicts or other、uh, challenging experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's move on to the next line. Ah, Tu Nan Yu Qi Yi, Wei Da Yu Qi Xi. So, you know, we just talked about the you know the challenges or difficulties. So, what Lao Zi is saying here is, when ah、uh, tackling the the difficulties. It's better to tackle it when it still is easy. When tackling monumental tasks, it's better to do it when that task are still very small.、Um, I like this because that immediately,、uh, you know, reminds me of a lot of the things、uh, we did do in daily life. You know, how many times. I personally like、uh, procrastinate because all、oh, these things are just like, you know, it's 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 becoming like a snowballing into a big thing, and then I get,、uh, you know, I I get paralyzed by it, and I delay it and delay it, and it's becoming 
very difficult. I mean, that's the immediate experience I had. And also, it reminds me of a very popular book, uh, uh, one of the bestsellers uh, written by James Clear, uh, The Atomic uh, Habits. I think in that book, um, basically, it's talking about habit building, like how essential it is not to try to set, uh, you know, uh, you know, big, hairy, audacious goals, but really, like, you know, try to determine or clarify what's that. A little task that uh, you are motivating doing, and take that critical uh, first step, and not to be try to to be perfect uh, in the short term. Mm. It makes me uh, think about tooth brushing. Ah, you know, okay. Brush your teeth. It's a it's a simple little thing, right? Brush your teeth for. Two minutes in the morning, something I'm, I'm, my girlfriend still keeps trying to get me to, to, to master and do it for two minutes at, at night. But then, of course, that's exactly what's being said that, you know, prevents tooth decay and tooth loss and, and how big of a deal then that becomes if you don't do just these small little things if you if you just do the small daily habit how many you know huge pains you prevent in the in the process exactly i think uh you know people talked about this uh law of compounding it start it all starts small right but that consistency has a compounding effect and only when you look back over a period of time you see such a difference but when you are in the middle of it it's all very, very subtle and small. Mm-hmm. I think here again, you know, I feel like Laozi, uh, you know, observes something which is very, very daily, and and it's it's only like it's our ordinary life. But when you really kind of stop and think about it, uh, it has such a profound wisdom in it that I can think of. So too many examples of failures or, you know, frustrations that come out of, you know, not being able to see small things, uh, you you know, see small things and uh, monitor the trajectory of the, that small things. And interestingly enough, Lao Tzu did not have to rely upon big data to figure this stuff out. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Yes. And and so I'll I'll continue this next sentence very much in the same vein as the previous one. Tianxia nan shi, bi zuo yu yi. Tianxia da shi, bi zuo yu xi. All of the world's difficult situations must grow from what's initially easy. All the world's major situations, dire situations, must grow out of from that which is tiny. Mm. And here Lautz is just really driving home that earlier concept. And you can see that there's a deliberate reason for this, that Clearly, he sees this as being a, a very important concept because generally, Lao is pretty efficient in the fact that he would take 
a second stab at really drilling this concept home, I think says a lot about how important it is that, you know, he wants, he's really emphasizing awareness and, and looking for patterns. You know, like, for example, you were talking earlier about our daily life. And the thing that I thought of when reading this was a, a for example, a, a room that starts getting a little messy and then mm. a little messier and then, you know, the dishes aren't getting done and how a long, deep depression can start off with those little things like not cleaning the kitchen or, or making the bed or, or brushing the teeth or taking a shower and all these tiny little things. But then if they, they're slowly eroded now what arises out of that is this very difficult situation this this very dire situation of of depression of of someone who just slowly over time stopped engaging in all of these tiny little habits like you were talking about when referencing the book i i haven't read it but it makes perfect sense that that's not worry about the grand that's engage in the small daily rituals that we need to sustain uh, a life um, uh, that doesn't have serious situations, that doesn't have difficult situations. You know, That's... civil wars might start with, you know, people sending disparaging memes online. Yes, that's very true. Two, ex uh, two additional examples I can think of just to build upon what you are observing here is, um, for example, in the business world, there's a famous uh, case study about this a famous company, Kodak, uh, you know, which has been for, for generations uh, well known for their, their you know, uh, photography. Uh, but then, then very gradually, this digital thing is taking off and intelligence uh, came from the market, but for whatever reason, you know, instead of like responding to that kind of trends and patterns, I think uh, it eventually this company, uh, you know, uh, missed the opportunity to either to adapt or reinvent itself. So that's a example of something like small, you know, mm. uh, you know, neglecting it or ignoring it is you know, at your peril, at your own expense. The other example I can think of is, you know, right now there's a tremendous, let's say, uh, at a societal level, uh, distrust for whatever reason among, you know, parties, among people, you know. Um, you, know I, you know, I was wondering where that distrust started to happen. Was it during the Nixon time or is it war, you know, even earlier? Somehow I feel the distrust that we feel it's kind of a very uh, discouraging because trust is the foundation of many things. If you don't trust, you don't talk, right? Even mm -hmm. if you talk, you don't believe in what the other party is saying. Yeah, you tune so, out. Yeah, so there must be a time period of that distrust got eroded, but at a very small level. And now it's uh, blossoming into something really big. We need to almost like to, you know, call it out and say, now the fundamental reason 
about many, many things. It's not the objective truth. It's really the experiential uh, distrust toward each other. Mm. Okay, that's the reality. That's the kind of the psychological reality that we are experiencing and we're seeing all in their different manifestations. But okay, so let's face that reality. Maybe let's start small and build, rebuild trust again. So that's another kind of example as you know, we are studying you know, this line. Mm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And so, yeah, let's um, maybe we can talk some more mm -hmm. as we uh, uh, as we uh, you know in the later part of our conversation. And uh, let's uh, finish the the reading of the you know, this whole chapter. So the next term, my next, the, the, so the next line is, 是以圣人终不为大故能成其大 Therefore, the sage does not uh, does not strive to do things beyond his or her capacity. In other words, overestimate uh, uh, or underestimate the difficulty of things, or trying to accomplish something, yeah, really, really big, but. Paradoxically, he or she was able to accomplish great things. So this is an interesting statement, you know, because it's interesting because, you know, when I look around, I look at, you know, people, I look at uh, politicians, you know, in this country and let's say, for example, in China, in this country, you know, the, 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 the mantra is make America great again. In China, there's this, this notion of, you know, try to achieve the great rejuvenation of the Chinese nation, mm. right, by its own leader. So I was wondering, you know, whether that is a kind of a, a mindset, uh, coming from out of wisdom or is it something that we conventionally do as a politician you want to rally the troop and uh, and try to you know create a, a motivating uh, visionary image so that people are get all psyched up uh, you know all very high uh, and what are the long-term consequences of that so that's the the key mm. thing that came mm. to my mind. Yeah, and and that both of those sentiments strike me as as platitudes with no substance underneath of them. And and I don't know how you can measure that. There's no indication of of how you would measure it or specifically what that would entail. And I think rightfully so that there's a lot of people that then say, well, explain to me exactly when things were so great, because if you study history, you can see that all countries are fraught with huge um, kind of 
flaws in this, their, their systems that usually <clears throat> disproportionately affect people that aren't in the, the majority. Um, you know, even in, in China, obviously, it's the same thing that the, the Han majority is, <clears throat> you know, certainly who is, is running things. And, and if you're not in, in that majority, you're going to have a completely different worldview of China. You know, if you live in Western China, your, your idea of what it would mean for China to be great is going to be much different than someone who lives in Beijing or one of the major cities in, in Eastern or, or Central China. It, yes, exactly. I think that's the problem because, uh, you know, China is, well, maybe is portrayed as a unifying entity. But when, you know, you've been to China, you see the diversity of China, right? The uh, eastern seaboard and then the innerland, the heart of China, heartland of China, almost similar to the Midwest of the United mm -hmm. States. And then the, the western, you know, part. Uh, there's such a diversity, so it's really hard to say what that it is. And similarly, you know, when you hear the slogans like, say, restore the soul of the nation. So what is American soul, right? What is the that uh, greatness uh, of America? If you listen more carefully and more attentively, it seems to me that there's such a diversity of it in terms of what mm. that greatness uh, is mm. or should be. Mm. So when you, you know, when I, sometimes it's interesting when these politicians try to kind of, uh, you know, put, you know, so diverse ideas and perspectives and try to squeeze it into kind of a slogan or a label or a box. Uh, that's where I feel like, Sometimes it's getting, uh, it's it's kind of a motivating at the same time, but it's also kind of a constraining in the sense that, you know, you're you're trying to build a very oversimplified model, and everybody mm. will follow it. Mm. And in some ways, there's there's no no model at all. Hence the sort of emptiness of it but um you know i'm i'll kind of continue with the so we can finish up the the reading and then definitely looking forward to touching on these ideas when we open up the discussion a bit more great fu ching nuo bi guo xin duo yi bi duo nan who lightly makes promises will rarely be trusted. Mm -hmm. Thinking that matters will be easy must bring many difficulties. And I immediately started thinking about politicians when I read this and, and I think Right. Me too, yes. And and it does explain a lot of the rise of Trumpism. People have heard politicians making promises from you know not just democrats but republicans and, and everything and and i think that this line really explains the rise of trumpism exactly which you know for decades and decades you hear 
politicians making promises to the working class. And of course, both Democrats and Republicans, while saying that out of one side of their mouth, on the other side of their mouth, they're making deals that benefit multinational corporations that does impact wages in the United States and and benefits profit margins and not working people. And so people did stop trusting politicians, not just Democrats, not just Republicans, but all politicians. And then you look at the appeal of Trump and why people were, were willing to overlook so many of his character flaws because they didn't want to trust another politician who lightly makes promises and doesn't follow through. That's exactly why Trump rose. It, it wasn't about, I mean, sure, there, there, there certainly might have been some misogynistic elements and some racist elements, but I think that misses the bigger point. And so long as, especially Democrats, continue to to miss that point and think, oh, the reason why Trump was elected was because of racism and, and misogyny. No, the bigger reason why he was elected is that people are so jaded when it comes to politicians of all walks of life making promises and, and, and talking about how they're going to make their lives better and then of course, selling that out to multinational businesses, big businesses, and the Democrats and Republicans have been doing that for ages, right? So it's yes, it's it's not about racism and misogyny. It's about the working class not believing in politicians. And Trump was like the perfect outsider. He he was supposedly a successful businessman, which I think we know is you know pretty tenuous position to take. But re- regardless, it was easy to believe him over just another lying politician. Exactly. Exactly. I think uh, I'm, you know, I'm hearing that you're saying uh, all politicians. The one thing that immediately came to mind is in the early 90s, uh, happened to be, uh, the, you know, uh, George Bush, the senior. You know, the famous, you know, line was, watch my lips, uh, no taxes, <laughs> right? Watch my lips. Uh, that's just like a picture that uh, talking about politicians make uh, promises to cater to uh, their, uh, you know, their supporters, right? To, yeah. you know. Uh, but then later on, they behind the scene, they are doing this dealing and wheeling with other interest groups like uh, big businesses. Mm. And, uh, you know, if that kind of continues over the years, uh, those seriously, I feel like a lot of the working class people are uh, honest. First of all, they honest, they value honesty. Yes, they do. Uh, Right, they they want to live more of a simple life, um, and so when that happens, like back in Washington, they feel like uh, they must have felt a sense of hopelessness uh, or cheated over the years, and that kind of thing is snowballing. 
Um, but as you said, you know, like, uh, you know, the, for example, the Democrats uh, in their, uh, you know, their, uh, you know, accusation of Trump, you know, it's not, they, they won't naturally, they won't like point it to themselves, like exactly. put a mirror, mirror right. right? No self-reflection will, at all. Right. They will externalize and blame the other party and say, you know, how great we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. Let me uh, finish the last line and then we can have some more discussion, you mm-hmm. know, by uh, focusing on some, you know, key concepts like, okay. Okay. Um, 事以圣人由难知,故终无难矣。Okay, therefore, so it's a summary here. Therefore, the sage tend to, um, tend to think that something is harder than it seems. So it's better prepared and better managing the complexities of it so it end up that that thing that is originally could have been difficult ended up being more seamlessly and smoothly managed. I think that's the idea. The, the, the power of preparation, of vigilance, and of, uh, you know, being realistic. I think that's what Lao Tzu say, seems to say here. Uh, the the sage seemed to have that kind of a ability to discern that discerning uh, intelligence uh, to do that even when things are small. So then they take incremental actions to deal with along the way, and then you get a result which is not kind of overwhelming. Yeah, I kind of want to. I, I want to give us some some credit in 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 this way. Just thinking about how we approach this podcast, and and not saying speaking anything to the quality of it or or anything like that, but just that I think back at how we did our discussions for a couple of years or close to a couple of years until really even talking about doing a podcast but then once we did i think we you know, did six months or so of, of drive runs and working on the format and and really just not kind of saying oh we're going to do a, a podcast and now let's just press record and and put it out there that we didn't approach it as if it was some oppressive thing either it wasn't it was still kind of light and um, very open how we discussed changing things, but that there was this sort of, well, you know, let's, let's be very careful and, and diligent and, and not rushing into this and, and really take our time and trying to iron things out before putting it out there and then kind of realizing, oh, there's, there's all this other work that, that really, needed to be done. I think, you know, that's, that's one way that we, we kind of use that approach to, you know, just what we're doing right now. That that's the kind of the natural way, right? The, 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 you know, all the kind of the preparation seemed to be happening along the way. And then 
we follow our instinct and say, hey, maybe let's move on to the next stage. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel like what we've been mm -hmm. experiencing or doing. Mm -hmm. Well, great. So we've, we have gone through chapter 63 and have stayed really on point with how we wanted to approach the reading today. And so now we get to do the more fun part and kind of open things up and, and just kind of discuss it. Great, great, great. What would you like to uh, discuss? We can pick up something and maybe, uh, you know, dive in or, or drill down a little bit more. Well, I know I, I mentioned a couple things to you, and I know that um, Wu Wei was, was one of them. But the more after going through this with you today, I just I feel that since we haven't talked about it and it is such a critical concept that comes up so often. I'd like to talk a little bit more about the, just because it sort of, I feel is, is really the foundation of everything. I mean, if, if in Christianity, the foundation is, is love and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I feel like in Taoism does sort of that equivalent. Yes. Yes. I, I would like to talk about that too. Uh, and for another reason, okay. Mm. Um, recently, I had a discussion, you know, with uh, some of the Chinese Americans within our community. Mm. You know, there are, you know, as you can imagine, there are Trump supporters and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, people who are opposing Trump. Uh, so I try to understand and engage in some kind of conversation uh, to kind of, uh, to really kind of understand, I, you know, I've read articles, learn, you know, listen to podcasts and other people have other, you know, uh, explanations for this phenomenon, right? Some of the people I know, uh, uh, within the Chinese community, uh, they happen to be in the, uh, uh, in Christian church. You know, I'm a Christian myself, uh, you know, coming from China, mm -hmm. but, you know, I, uh, I actually I learned about Christianity when I was a high school student mm. in China. But in here, I finally, in 1998, made a determination mm. to be baptized. Mm. Right? At the same time, you know, I'm also a student of philosophy. Mm. You know, I learned all these, uh, you know, sacred traditions mm. and philosophies because I feel that's very fundamental to you know, the human condition and human experience. Mm -hmm. So long story short is recently it's just dawned upon me how many people in, you know, in my, in that Chinese community who support to Trump have a sense of a strong sense of um, the necessity to keep the traditional core values. They talked about, you know, uh, you know, maybe family values, maybe some other things. Part of me understand because I think, you know, uh, having been born in the Chinese tradition, right? China was also trying to preserve a lot of the traditional values. Mm -hmm. But of course, uh, you know, that's the intent. And, the, you know, China is, you know, uh, has been struggling in trying to be modern, trying to, right, to, to mm -hmm. develop. And that traditional, a lot of traditional values get lost. But so part of me says, 
these people who value traditional values and that's uh, Trump because in China they support traditional values too. Mm-hmm. But coming back to this traditional value or some kind of a values or virtue, I do have a question. I feel, you know, this value thing can be very, uh, as we talked earlier, like very commonsensical, right? You don't have to be dogmatic. It's just like a, a kind of a wisdom we humans in our history of surviving, we accumulate. Just like, you know, our parents, right? Sometimes as teenagers, we rebel against, mm-hmm. let's say, our parents' like words who maybe we, these words are rooted in, in wisdom. So they say, you know, these things, please remember. Mm-hmm. Same thing with our society. You know, definitely there's a lot, you know, there needs to be change, uh, you know, change with changing times. So maybe the older way of understanding justice is all about you know a certain group and now we need to broaden it but they don't have to uh in my mind they don't have to be in conflict so i feel like Laozi's virtue is more inclusive and broadening and liberating than let's say you know even some of the conservative groups Mm -hmm. like let's say on the republican side uh i always wonder when they try to say preserve those core values of being American, what are they including? I mean, I feel like t- sometimes we just like throw labels to each other mm-hmm. without delving into the the nitty gritty details. You know, just like Sheng Ren, you know, you you you, you just like um, you don't unpack things. You just like say, oh, traditional values. What are they? Okay, so. Let me just pause and hear your thoughts. Well, it's it's a great point, and and this is where it does come back to without the deeper unpacking of these words, virtue, traditional values, faith. Yes. They're just platitudes. They don't mean anything. They're just there's just they're just words that people toss around to feel better about themselves, but then mm. or mm. better about life and and better about their their place in it. Mm. And, and and I don't think any of the people who initially inspired hordes of people to to listen to them and write down and talk about what they were saying and mm. intended for those words to be used that way I, I don't think that was ever the intention that they were just sort of tossed around and then you kind of go on your your merry way and mm. um and the unpacking piece is is what's important because to unpack it means to reflect upon it. To bring life to it. To right? bring, oh, bring, wow, wow. Yeah. That's it. That's it right there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you raise a point. You say now we use these labels and words uh, to make us feel better instead of like truly harvesting from what's behind it, what's in it, right? To help us thrive in life. 
I, I find that interesting. Psychologically, let's say why uh, we tend to use these whatever labels, maybe, I mean, uh, some of the, uh, I think, a very lively religious faith or spiritual things, uh, you know, are packed into that kind of labels and then use that labels to feel ourselves superior and better. Where does that come from psychologically? You know, I try to understand instead of like, instead of like using that to, you know, to give us a special status, why don't we use those things, acknowledge the value of those things? I mean, not just the labels, the naming of it, but the reality of it to help us all, you know, live a better life or something like that. I mean, I'm I'm sure the wiring of our brain and neurotransmitters plays a big part. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there there's a lot of different perspectives that we could take. But you think about just the the dopamine hit of someone saying you're a really special person and everything mm. about you is amazing. Mm. Well, then I suddenly I feel like wow, you know, like mm. yes, I want to hear more. So tell me more about how great I am. Am I? Mm-hmm. Where if if I came and and said, you know what? I I know that your heart's in the right place, but mm. the way that your attitude shows up and in these ways, I think it's really working against you. How, how does that feel? Well, it certainly have a different impact. Are you trying to sandwich? You know your uh, your criticism within the something like sugar coated something, mm. but you are really like making point. You know, oh my uh, antenna, uh, mm. my, uh, my 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 my. Uh, you know, I, I I'm starting to feel irritated mm. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, one feels like a reward, and and another feels like a threat. And so, uh, of course, when we use language. And we, we know that the human brain is special in the sense that we can respond to what language symbolizes as if it's the real thing. Ah, yes, yes. You know, yes. If, 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 I, if I told you to imagine in your mind riding a bike and we had your head hooked up to you know, some imaging that kind of looked at what parts of your brain were firing, we know the same parts of your brain are, are lighting up that would light up if you were actually riding a bike. And that's an amazing, amazing thing. And so words have a big impact. Ideas in our head have a big impact. And, and, and so when that's, that's what's so addicting or addictive mm. about platitudes mm. is that you can make someone believe the true uh, the, the message that's being conveyed in the platitude mm. that it's as real as if they actually put in all the work for that to be be true it's like you know you're a gold medal winner wow i am like that feels so mm. amazing mm. but the reality is we know that Probably, you don't have to go through the process. Yeah, you don't have to go through the matter. process. But mm. I, I think that if we sit and reflect and slow down a bit and think about what does it actually feel like to really win a gold medal when you're 
you know, competing against the world's best and, and you've mm-hmm. put your whole heart into something to achieve it. There, mm. There's no doubt that that feeling, you can't compare it to someone who's just told, who's just told you're a gold medal winner and now they believe it and they get that dopamine hit. And so now they can walk around the world for a couple more days feeling a little high from that. But it's not winning a gold medal. It's it's just some empty thing that's been tossed around. And and so I think that's why we're so susceptible though to those labels. Mm-hmm. Have you heard like like in med- medication or, uh, or or medicines, you know, there there are two kinds of uh, drugs, uh fast acting and the long lasting, mm-hmm. right? I mean yeah. fast acting. Yeah. What you are sound is we are more like falling prey to the fast acting piece, mm-hmm. and we want to kind of shortcut, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, uh, you know, we, we want to have the enjoyment of that final results without re- want to skipping over all these like uh, processes or mm-hmm. or tasks, sometimes very mm-hmm. tedious tasks, uh, you know, in mm-hmm. order to 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 move to. To, to, to get that uh, that reward, it seems. Yeah, I think about like marriage, for example, that, you know, mm. I think a lot of people go into marriage thinking we're going to get married and when we have that ceremony, it proves that we love each other and now everything's just going to mm. work out and it's going to be great because we love each other. We're married. We're married. And mm. like, how great is that feeling? We're married now. Mm. And of course, like, that's just, I mean, doesn't add up to a lot over the years. That it, Without that hard work of we've got to communicate about things and do it regularly and let each other know kind of painful things of like, you're hurting me this way and I still love you, and but I would like it if you could do this for me. And you have to take that in and really work on that and change how you think about that person and how you engage with that person. And you have to do that over and over and over again to get to a place where real love and mutual respect and a real marriage can emerge out of that. But if you go into it thinking like, well, we're married. And so now that proves that we love each other and everything's just going to work out from here on. I mean, that's that last part in this chapter of saying, you know, who who believes that things are are going to be easy? They've got a long, tough road ahead. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that kind of awareness, that kind of uh, state of uh, almost like enlightenment, I think that's coming back to the keyword the mm. uh, where we started. I think that awareness, that kind of intelligence, is du. Du is mm. not a you know a set of like uh, you know ten commandments. Or uh, you know, um, code of conduct. You know those like a checklist thing. You know, have you met this? Have you met this? It sounds to me more the is more in tune with of the natural working of the universe, right? Mm-hmm. You you try to kind of live it that live that out in our daily thought and daily actions. Uh, that's that means you have the. In you, right? You you kind of uh, uh, acquired uh, or uh, acquire it or attain it uh, in yourself. 
Yeah, and, and, and it's an ongoing process. And so I I think about it like the the limits in calculus where mm. you're always approaching the limit, but you never really attain it. It's it's something that if we're not always working on, and this is the part of where the the shengren or sage, just to kind of make that explicit, that when we say shengren, we're talking about the the holy person or and I don't really like the word holy person, but the sage, like sort of someone who has cultivated duh. Yes, yes. Um that they it's always an ongoing process. You're you're a shengren for a day. Now tomorrow you've got to try to do you you have to try to do that again. It's not something that you just reach and then it's over with. It's it's a continuous process that, and that's the part that I think this chapter is really trying to emphasize is that each day you have to approach it. Like here's another day that I have to really bring my all to and really bring all of my virtue to, because if I let my guard down on that and slip, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not on the path anymore. Yes. So true. I almost feel think, uh, Nowadays, we people generally uh, see the opposite. Um, you know, like we are trying to, you know, uh, get a sense of a purpose or fulfillment, right? And feel happy, right? Mm. That's, you know, everybody can understand. Instead of like really truly what uh, brings us happiness is that accumulation of the mm. because it's in you. You can feel it every day if you have it or if you're not. Mm-hmm. And other people cannot tell, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like drinking a cup of water. You know the water, but other but you can describe to other people. So that the is the same. You know, we feel whether we have more of it mm-hmm. or we have less it mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. But instead, uh, you know, we are chasing something like say that's that trophy, right? That trophy is actually more like a, a symbol. Like we can use that opportunity to work through the hard work to get that trophy as a real op- as an opportunity of accumulating our de. It's the de that brings us fulfillment. It's that not that trophy. Perfect. I mean, that's that is. I feel like that's the essence of it is, is it's not these external things. I mean, yes, the external part matters. There's, um, there's a meme on the internet of, Mm. um, a high school football player who is interviewed after a game and his, his team was like really far behind. I think they were down by like five or six touchdowns or something. I don't know the exact numbers, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. his name's Apollos and they, he's being interviewed after the game and he just gives this amazing, wonderful speech. That's just like one of the most inspiring expressions mm. of, of duh that I think you could see in a young man or anyone really. What's the name? Can, do you have that if, uh, if video? You, or, yeah, if you yeah. look up like scoreboard song, the scoreboard song, something like that. Okay, okay. And and he's telling everyone, he's saying, you know, you 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 do it for others, you do it for yourself, you do it for you do it for each other, 
regard mm. regardless of the scoreboard. Like the scoreboard ah. doesn't matter. It's it's what you're ah. it's what you're doing, how you're doing it, and who you're doing it for that matters. It, it's not the scoreboard, you know. And he's saying like, you know, regardless of the scoreboard, this is what you have to do, and this is kind of the way to approach things. Going back to it's not about the trophy. The trophy doesn't matter. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that's so true. What is that person? The Tom. His first name's Apollos. Oh, Apollo. A, yeah. Okay, Apollo. Okay. And and um, I forget his last name, but it's just a when you see it, I mean, he. It's just so inspiring. You can see just that expression of duh and him and what it means to him, and going back to making it alive, like how alive he is in that moment. Mm, I see. And and uh, what if we can mm. feel that way every day? You don't need a trophy then. If you feel like how he felt, I mean, when you see it, you know, you don't need a trophy. Yeah, I feel the trophy is just a a a, a, a opportunity or a situation that helps us attain that. Duh. So, in other words, every day we still do the whatever we need to do, right? Uh, you know, uh, preparing for a game. Or are doing something like a chore, mm-hmm. but everything in there, you know, has a a purpose or results, right? Or outcome or goals. So that's our daily experience. But in that, doing that instead of like taking that goal as something that really like true. Mm-hmm. I mean, to some extent, it's true, but really the truer piece is in that. What kind of a duh we collect or we accumulate yeah. in our doing that? Mm-hmm. How did I do this? Not, not what did I do? Oh, look, I got an A. Okay. Well, how did you go about getting that A? That's, that's what matters. Yeah. How and why we do it, yeah. right? It's not just like what mm-hmm. we do. It, what yeah. can vary, has a lot of variations. Mm-hmm. What? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a billionaire. Okay. Well... So what? Did you get it from you know paying people less money than what they deserved, and you know bribing politicians to set up your company so that no one could compete against you, and you know, make all sort of like sleazy arrangements? Then who cares if you're a billionaire? No one cares. Yes, if you are a street stripper, if you do that, mm-hmm. I remember Martin Luther King said. If you do a good job, you really are, you know, let's say an essential worker, yeah. right? They are doing the, their best job to save lives, yeah. to be dutiful to what they are called to do or what they are tasked to do. Mm-hmm. I feel they are, can collect more de than mm-hmm. the people you just described. And you meet and those they, people. They, they know it. And yep. they know it yep. inside themselves. Yep. When Before they go to sleep, when the night is quiet, mm-hmm. when no one is watching. One one person who collects that duh, you know, I bet they can they feel better than the other person. Well, David, I f- I feel much better having our our discussion today, like like I always do after we've had a, a chance to meet. So just uh, again, want to thank you for talking with me and and keeping this this alive and inside just knowing how how important it is exactly what you're saying accumulating more more duh
I enjoy the conversation, and I think it's very, uh, it's a good timing, you know, to talk about all that stuff. Well, take care, and I'll see you next time. See you.